Cancer Perspective. Today we're going to talk about side effect management of both your disease and treatment. While everybody's journey is unique to themselves, I'm going to go through some very general messages here. Before treatment and during treatment, most often you're going to have your blood tested. When you have your blood tested during the diagnosis process and throughout treatment and follow-up, when your cancer team assesses your blood work at the very basic level, they are checking your overall health of your organs and your body processes. Sometimes they can even assess a tumor marker. You may have heard of the PSA for prostate-specific antigen. Sometimes there's other markers, such as the CA125 for ovarian cancer. There might be other ones as well that they can also test to identify is treatment making a difference on whatever that number might be. How is your liver function? Is it doing okay? Can it handle some more drugs to help treat cancer or the supportive medications to help with pain management? How's your kidney function? Is that doing okay? Are you staying well hydrated? Are your electrolytes doing okay? There's also the white blood cells. The white blood cells are your infection fighters. Making sure that you have your infection fighters where are they? Has any of the treatments put them off kilter? So when we talk about infection fighters, no matter what your treatment is, you need to help support them. And that means washing your hands, avoiding people who are contagiously ill while you're on treatment. I think that's good for anybody in general, but particularly for people who are on treatment for their cancer. If you will be around children who may have had recent immunizations, you should check to see if you should be avoiding being exposed to that child and for how long. When you're talking about the immune system, the goal is to keep it functioning as optimally as possible during treatment. You should notify your care team if you have signs of infection. Signs of infection in general are usually a temperature of 101 or higher. Treatment and the stress that your body goes through can raise your temperature a bit. But if you get up to 101 or higher, then it's saying that your immune system is under a little bit of stress and you should at least reach out to your care team to see if they want to do anything about that. Same thing with shaking chills. Not chilling because I'm cold because it's 10 degrees outside, but chilling because I feel sick. You can have an infection anywhere within the body that's not related to cancer, not related to cancer treatment, but it's a good idea to still inform your care team if you suspect an infection. For instance, if you have an infection of your left little toe, you might want to bring that up to your care team when you're seeing them or you say, oh, I have something that looks pretty nasty on my toe. Do you want to see me or do you want me to go to primary care or a prompt, convenient care type facility to have it checked out? If you are already at another doctor and they say, hey, I see that you have this infection on your toe, here's an antibiotic. In most cases, you would not need to call your oncology team or your cancer team to ask them, should I be taking this antibiotic? More often, it's more that next time you see them, you tell them, yep, I took this antibiotic and it worked or it didn't work or I'm still taking it and I'm still running fevers. All that is all extremely important 
But in general, you can almost always start an antibiotic without contacting your oncology team. Red blood cells carry your oxygen and your iron. If you get low on your red blood cells, that's anemia. Sometimes you can become anemic due to the cancer itself or due to treatment or both. If your oxygen isn't flowing as optimally as it was before, uh, you can become woozy if you change positions too quickly. There might be a time when you need a blood transfusion. Watching out for shortness of breath, especially with mild activity, is important. Dizziness or feeling at risk for falling is something to report as well. Is there a significant change in your stamina? Oftentimes you can become fatigued while you're on treatment or just because you have cancer, it can be very exhausting. But if you feel like things are getting worse, it's a good conversation to have with your cancer care team. Then there are platelets. Platelets are your blood clotters. And many traditional chemotherapies can irritate your blood clotters. So often you're going to be told to avoid aspirin products, uh, Aleve, Ibuprofen, Advil, and Motrin. Oftentimes Tylenol or Acetaminophen will be okayed by your team, but you must get that clarified for you specifically. Almost always a low-dose aspirin for heart conditions or something that you're on on a daily basis, not for pain and discomfort, that is almost always allowed. Watching for changes in easy bruising or signs that you're struggling with a nosebleed that won't stop or bleeding gums that are not quite normal for you should be discussed with your team. Any bright red or black colored stools, blood in your urine, or tiny pinpoint red dots called petechiae in your hands, arms, or legs should also be discussed with your cancer care team. When your team is looking at your blood, they are trying to identify, should we continue on with treatment today, or should we give you a break, or um, how much of effect did the treatment make on your normal system, should there be any dose adjustments. So keep your appointments and have good discussions with your care team. Nutrition is a very common concern during cancer treatment. The goal would optimally be you maintain your weight and maintain your muscle. If you lose weight while you're on treatment for your cancer, oftentimes you're losing muscle. If you lose muscle, you can become more frail. So a good overall healthy diet is good for every one of us in this world, whether we have cancer or on treatment or not. It's easier said than done if you're affected by your energy level or your taste changes or things going on. In general, it's good to eat high protein-based diet. Protein helps repair your normal cells and helps maintain your muscle. Protein is important for healing. Complex carbohydrates such as grains and legumes and starchy vegetables are good for providing energy that might improve your fatigue. If you're not eating good sources of protein, we often recommend supplements such as Boost or Insure or Carnation Instant Breakfast or a multitude of milk-based or vegetable-based protein supplements. 
If you're struggling with taste changes or saliva changes or enjoyment of eating, it can be very, very difficult to get all the calories that you need to support that metabolism that's going on within your body and your body's energy needs. It can be more difficult than some people even imagine. Working with a nutritionist is something that can be extremely beneficial. When you talk about what to avoid while you're on traditional chemotherapy, oftentimes you hear avoiding green tea as it can reduce the effectiveness of some chemotherapy regimens. Grapefruit has that enzyme that can reduce the effectiveness of some agents. We generally recommend to avoid high doses of vitamins and minerals and not to take any herbal supplements unless you run them through the pharmacy as we don't know how that can interact with the treatments that you're getting. You can ask a pharmacist, particularly your oncology pharmacist, about anything that you feel strongly about. Caffeine can be dehydrating. Alcohol can be dehydrating. You can have some caffeine in moderation as long as you're drinking other things because in general, the recommendation is to stay well hydrated. You drink and you move and you pee. So you circulate that blood and you pee out those waste products. Get that nutrition in there to repair what needs to be repaired. It's easier said than done, but... There's multiple cookbooks and recommendations. I like the American Cancer Society's booklets on nutrition during chemotherapy in particular. Nausea and vomiting. Back in the day, there were very little options to help treat acute nausea associated with chemotherapies and delayed nausea associated with chemotherapies. Now we got a lot more options. Effectively preventing severe nausea and vomiting with drugs that have traditionally caused a big problem for patients has been a huge breakthrough in making treatment more tolerable for patients. And now we have drugs that are less nauseating too, so that's helpful. Even with our best advances, there will still be people who are prone to more nausea based on where their disease is located, based on predispositions that they come to us with. But in general, we've done a great job of preventing vomiting. Things that can help are additional medications on hand at home to take for breakthrough nausea, if that's an option for you. So discuss that with your care team. Then there are some tips and tricks at home that might be helpful if you are still struggling with an irritated stomach, such as eating small, frequent meals to keep something in the gut to keep the gut going, avoiding heavy, spicy, or salty meals if that's what's irritating you, not lying flat for one to two hours after eating as that might trigger indigestion or heartburn, if there are certain odors that are triggering nausea, then trying to avoid those. And watching the temperature of your food, sometimes very cold things or very warm things can be triggering at different times. If you do become nauseated, doing deep breathing in through your mouth and distraction with music or TV or some other activity, 
There are some people who have anticipatory nausea, meaning they become nauseous just at the thought of coming into our office. And that's something to discuss with your team as well. There are ways to help that. You may be surprised at the tips and tricks that are up your team's sleeve. They're usually not just one option, so don't give up on them. Keep going back and saying, I'm struggling with this. I tried this and I didn't try that. This seems to make things worse. Oftentimes with any of these side effects that we'll talk about today, there will be a pattern to when you see them come and when you see them start to ebb away. I like journaling or putting on a calendar what your symptoms are so that you can look backwards and identify a pattern that's very helpful for your cancer care team. Diarrhea can be a concern because of the dehydration it causes. Not all treatments are expected to cause diarrhea. Not all treatments are expected to cause any of these side effects. But again, you may have diarrhea because your type of cancer that you have already, or you may have diarrhea because you ate a bad burrito during your cancer journey. It doesn't matter. What matters is making sure that you are back under control as quickly as possible to avoid dehydration and other unfavorable side effects if things go on too long. In the case of diarrhea, we wanna make sure that you're drinking plenty of fluids. You need to put back what you lose. Fluids include broth, Gatorade, juices. Now it's best to dilute your juices if you're experiencing diarrhea, usually 50-50, half water, half juice. Fluids with electrolyte replacement are recommended along with water. Cold liquids can sometimes trigger the gut to get rid of it quicker, so we advise room temperature. If you enjoy carbonated beverages, non-caffeinated are better and allow them to become flat when you're experiencing diarrhea. The BRAT diet is still recommended for loose stools. Bees, bananas, are white rice, A, applesauce, tea, white toast. Foods that help firm up stools can include applesauce, oatmeal, bananas, cooked carrots. Rice, noodles, cream of wheat, well-cooked eggs, white toast, canned or cooked fruits without skin, skinned turkey or chicken or fish or mashed potatoes. Foods to avoid would be greasy, fried, spicy, or high-fat foods while you're having diarrhea. Milk products can be irritating, and you might want to extend that for about a week after your diarrhea in order to settle that gut again. Plant-based milk liquids, such as almond milk and oat milk, might be tolerated a little bit better. Avoid dried fruits, nuts, beans, whole grains, wheat. Avoid popcorn. Avoid raw and cruciferous vegetables, such as broccoli and cabbage and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts, as they can be a little bit rougher on the gut as it's trying to heal during diarrhea. And the same with raw fruits and vegetables cooked or better during diarrhea. Eat small, frequent meals high in electrolytes. Again, that's bananas, peach nectar, apricot nectar, oranges, and potatoes without skin. As far as medication, you should not be taking any stool softeners or laxatives. And ask your team if they recommend medications such as Imodium over-the-counter. 
and how frequently to take it. Sometimes you can get quite aggressive with Imodium, including directions that are a little bit more aggressive than what's on the back of the box. So talk to your team and they'll help you. And there might be some prescription medications that would be helpful. So keep in close contact with your team. The big thing to avoid is dehydration and that electrolyte change. That's what's going to land you in the hospital if that's not under control. Diarrhea that lasts longer than 24 hours despite using the brat diet recommendations or if you're becoming more dizzy and weak and your weight is going down, you're having chills or fever, those are all mandatory call your team or show up at the emergency room. If you're having severe abdominal pain or cramping, that should be taken seriously and get immediate attention. If the amount of urine is decreased or you're producing dark color urine, you may be already way too dehydrated and so talk to your team or seek emergency care for that. Of course, if you talk about diarrhea, you must talk about constipation as well. There are people who do get constipated with their treatment Particularly, the more nausea medicine you need and the more pain medicines you need, the slower the gut can get. So you'll need to watch making sure that you are feeling comfortable. You don't have to have a bowel movement every day, but you do have to feel comfortable every day. So making sure that you get plenty of fluids, and in general, the 64 ounces of non-caffeinated liquid in a day is still a good recommendation, but again, talk to your team about what's specific for you. Warm or hot liquids might help with constipation. You can take stool softeners. You can take Miralax or other laxatives, but talk to your care team in particular to see what they recommend for you. In general, most patients on cancer treatments are told to avoid enemas or suppositories unless they are specifically told to take them due to the trauma it can cause, especially when watching platelets. Making sure you eat a balanced diet containing whole grains and fruits and juices. Moving, walking for exercise is a good way to get that gut going. If you've had no bowel movement for two or more days over your normal pattern, despite stool softeners and adequate fluid, then make sure that you're notifying your team for that as well. There might be some other options that they can discuss with you. You should be passing gas every day too. So if you're not passing gas, you're not passing stool, then we do worry about bowel blockages for certain people. So make sure that that line of communication is open on how you feel. Skin changes. Many of our systemic therapies can affect your skin. Some drugs cause you to be more sensitive to heat and to sun being out in the sun can produce more rashes in certain instances. If you are having severe pain or cracking, then that is definitely something to report. But in general, keeping your hands and feet clean and moist using alcohol-free topical creams that you find over the counter. In general, you don't start with diphenhydramine or Benadryl-containing creams unless you ask your cancer care team. Use mild soap. Avoid severe rubbing when you're uncomfortable. If you have a rash that looks like acne, 
don't use acne treatments that you would find over the counter. Discuss it with your team. When talking about irritated skin, it's also important to remember to avoid soaking in significantly hot areas. So when you're irritated, then that's when you would stay away from hot tubs. Make sure you're well covered when you're out in the sun. Sometimes it's a matter of, well, my hands are feeling cracked and dry, so you wear gloves to wash dishes or things like that. Avoiding contact with hot water or steam is important. You might need help with somebody doing the dishes for you. Dishwashing gloves can be dangerous, so discuss that with them. They can hold in more heat. Tub baths or hot showers should be avoided when you're having extreme issues. Some drugs can cause peripheral neuropathy. Peripheral neuropathy is numbness and tingling in the fingers and toes. It's a nerve irritation from the drugs. You may already be experiencing neuropathy from some other situation within your life, and we just want to make sure that the treatment for your cancer is not making things worse or making them so unmanageable that you're having big issues. We want to make sure we're avoiding issues that are affecting your quality of life at home based on your cancer treatment. You may be coming to cancer treatment already with peripheral neuropathy due to some other injury or due to some other chronic condition that you have. It's important to keep your team informed if your treatment for cancer is affecting your neuropathy worse or if you're starting to develop neuropathy based on your cancer treatment. The danger of peripheral neuropathy is safety. So making sure that you're watching your feet and inspecting for cuts or abrasions. It helps if you wear thick socks and soft-soled shoes. Avoid going barefoot when you have peripheral neuropathy. It's important to notify your care team if you have a change in your ability to do everyday tasks like tying your shoes and buttoning your buttons and zipping your zipper. It's important to notify your team if you're having difficulty with coordination or balance because of the sensation on your feet. Fatigue. Fatigue can be a problem due to your cancer or due to your treatment. It's important to get adequate rest and restorative sleep. In order to do that, you should limit nap time in order to be able to get restorative sleep at night. Maintaining sleep schedule helps to establish your sleep patterns, but can be more difficult during treatment. Some activity is better than no activity. So basic walking 15 to 20 minutes a day is always a good rule of thumb. If you have not been walking 15 to 20 minutes a day, then working up to that. If you have been walking 15, 20 minutes a day, then trying to maintain as much mobility and activity as you can to maintain that muscle is always a good idea. Nutrition helps with fatigue and then making sure you conserve your energy for the important things that you want to prioritize and filling up your bucket with energy restoration things that you enjoy doing, such as gardening or relaxation techniques. Although fatigue can be expected, what is not expected is that you cannot get out of bed. So get up every day, move every day, and if you are struggling to get out of bed for 24 hours, then that should be a call to your team. 
If you are so tired that you're feeling confused and not thinking clearly, you should be talking to your oncology team. Mouth sores. Some treatments can irritate that mouth. Some cancers can irritate the mouth as well. Good oral hygiene is good for everybody, whether you have cancer or not. Brushing your teeth twice daily for at least 90 seconds using a soft toothbrush is always recommended. You might benefit from baking soda and salt water rinses, water-based lubricants to your lips for moisturization. Make sure you're removing and rinsing dentures after each meal to allow them to get nice and clean. Avoid wearing dentures that don't fit properly as that can cause some more irritation. In general, use alcohol-free mouthwashes. Avoid hydrogen peroxide for oral rinsing. Avoid tobacco, alcohol, and irritating foods. If your mouth is sore, you will want to cook your meat until it's extremely tender and make sure you're cutting food into very small bites. Use gravies and sauces to help moisten foods. When we're talking about protein-based foods, make them the softer ones such as yogurt, cottage cheese, eggs. Smoother foods such as smoothies, puddings, custards, jellos. Cold foods can be soothing, such as popsicles and ice cream and alpha-sauce. Low-acid fruits instead of high-acid fruits, like bananas and watermelon and cantaloupe, are better than fresh oranges. Make sure you're notifying your team if you're unable to eat or drink because your mouth or throat hurts. If you notice white patches in there or you have bleeding gums in your mouth, make sure you're telling your care team. Handling bodily fluids and waste. It used to be that we recommended you flush twice. In general, just making sure that everybody avoids bodily fluids, whether you're on cancer treatment or not. And if you do come in contact with bodily fluids, make sure you're washing your hands really well afterwards. If you're helping somebody with a bedpan, wear gloves if you can, wash your hands with soap and water. There should not be any significant recommendations about washing things in the washer dryer, but soiled linens normally go in separate washes just for good hygiene in general. Infertility can be a side effect of treatment, so talk to your team if you're wanting to have more children. Sexuality in general is possible during cancer treatment. Again, talk to your cancer care team about that. Common side effects and sexual problems with both cancer and treatment include a loss of desire, problems with achieving and maintaining a desired state of arousal for both men and women, fear and anxiety from either the patient with cancer or their partner or both can lead to concerns. Go ahead and ask your team if you have any questions or concerns. In general, the most important about sexuality is to not get pregnant while you're on cancer treatment. But discuss, do you want to preserve sperm or eggs prior to cancer treatment? That's a very specific question for your team. How long are you considered contaminated when you're on cancer treatment? And how should you protect you and your partner during those times? So that is a generalized discussion of side effect management for both cancer and cancer treatment. 
Good communication is always the key. Drinking, moving, and making sure your bowel and bladder are working are the keys through it all. Maintaining your nutrition and your weight. You got this. I thank you for joining me through this very long and detailed conversation and appreciate your attention. I hope you come back again. In the meantime, take care and spread kindness.